Perhaps you're feeling weary today, or you may be overflowing with great joy. Is your heart hurting, filled with fear or sorrow? Friends, we want you to know that God's Word is able to wash over you and flood your thirsty soul because it is living water. Through His Word, our thoughts are guided toward peace, strength, comfort, courage, and gratitude as we walk one day at a time with God. This podcast is part of the global outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome to Walk with God. Welcome, this is Brenda McCord, and Walt and I are very excited to bring you a message of encouragement today. You know, we serve a God who is able and truly desires to reverse a curse. And as we look at today's passage, as we begin in Haggai 2, verse 20, we come into these final verses of the book of Haggai today. Follow as I read. Verse 20, Then the word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month. This is the fourth and final message from the Lord given to Haggai the prophet. And if you remember back in verse 10 of chapter 2, that was the first part of the message on December 18th, 5. 120 BC. And this is actually the second message on that same day, December 18th, from the Lord. In this message, God is going to specifically address the governor of Judah, Zerubbabel. And even as we continue on as our passage, the next two verses say this, speak to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, saying, I am going to shake the heavens and the earth and I will overthrow the thrones of kingdoms and destroy the power of the kingdoms and of the nations. And I will overthrow the chariots and their riders and the horses and their riders will go down, every one by the sword of another. Um, this passage really talks about a time that is coming when God is going to shake the heavens and the earth. There's coming an awesome day, the day of the Lord, when the Lord comes to overthrow all rebellious nations and people. And even as I say that, I, I'm reminded of Psalm 2, which describes this day in a summary way. Um, Psalm 2 begins with this, verses 1 to 5. Why are the nations in an uproar, and the people are devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them, but then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury. This coming day is going to be um, great and terrible for the enemies of God, but it's going to be um, an absolute delight for the followers of, of God, and they will experience God's love and his protection in this day. You know, while as you read those verses from Psalm 2, verses 1 through 5, took me back in memory to, uh, you know, 9-11 
in 2001. And I remember uh, on Moody Radio, uh, the DJs reading these verses, the kings of the earth will take their stand, the rulers against the Lord, against his anointed. But then that verse four that you read is amazing. He who sits in heaven laughs. It's not not a surprise, right? No, and God's not scared sitting there. Oh, they're, they're all coming against ringing, me. Wringing his hands. Oh, and what will I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's not what is going to happen. God, God is secure in his might and in his glory. Mm. And he specifically says, Zerubbabel is told, that thrones of kingdoms will be, and they'll destroy the power of kingdoms. And the chariots and the riders and horses and the riders will go down, will be destroyed. And and this has to remind me of Exodus 14, verses 23 and 28, say this, When the Egyptians took up pursuit, and all of Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen went after them, the, the Israelites leaving in Exodus, and they went into the midst of the sea, which Moses, with God's power, had parted. And then it says this this happened. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen. Pharaoh's entire army that had gone into the sea after them, not even one of them remained. And this coming time um, will be like that kind of an event, but it will be more than just a single time when he overthrew the Egyptians. He will be overthrowing all the kingdoms and destroying all the thrones and and he's reminding them, and the destruction will be complete. And this, even as we're talking about that, this coming day has a number of, of, of aspects. One is that it's going to be a terrifying day for the enemies of God. But the other is that it's going to be a delightful day to the people of God. Um, and this, again, reminds me of Jeremiah 31, where we, um, the prophet Jeremiah is talking about the new covenant in the midst of a section telling his people, that they're going to go into a Babylonian captivity, he gives them a message of encouragement. And, and, and we meet, need that message of encouragement today. The circumstances of the world can discourage us and, and confuse us. Um, but realize this, and I'm reading from Jeremiah 31, verses 32 through 34. This will be a covenant, not like the covenant which I made their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. That's what what we were just talking about in the Exodus. My covenant, which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their hearts. I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, Hmm. from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquities and their sin I will remember no more. There's coming a time when God is going to place his law within them. And not only that, that that God says, by the way, when I do that, you won't even need to have teachers anymore, because I will be teaching you. And just that that knowledge, it's interesting when we say, know the Lord, um, for all who know me, that, that's a great Hebrew word, yada, and it means an intimate, personal knowledge. It's even sometimes um, used of the, the sexual relationship between a man and, and a woman. You know, in Adam marriage. went in, yeah, in marriage, Adam went into Eve and, and knew her. That's a, a Hebrewism, a very intense, intimate knowledge. And even as we, we come um, to this end of this section, because we've been focusing on what's going to happen in the nation, um, 
part of the encouragement we see in this passage is the fact that God will someday set all things right on the earth. Yeah, Don't, do you feel like oh my heavens, a mess right now, right? The <laughs> yeah, earth, the, the, the all earth. that we've gone through these past few years, war, disease, um, isolation, yeah. quarantine. Yeah, it, and all of that, God's going to set all of that right. Um, and we see all around us the brokenness of individuals, of cities, of nations, the whole world, it seems. But remember, remember, beloved, the encouragement of God. We serve the God, the Lord of hosts, commander of angelic heavenly forces, and he He has the power to change all these circumstances. You know, and I'm reminded here of a passage that we we often read, and we've memorized that. Uh, We've taught our children. We've memorized it. We often refer to these as the Lord's Prayer. But actually here in the verses in Matthew, Jesus is instructing his disciples how to pray. And in Matthew 6, 9, and 10, it begins with, pray then in this way. That's Jesus instructing, teaching his disciples. And he begins with, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, when we pray, we should always remember that we are addressing a holy God. We We are coming before a holy God. He deserves our respect, our reverence, our awe of who he is. And we should pray for the coming of God's kingdom on earth. That's what Jesus is telling his disciples. Pray. Pray for the kingdom to come. Pray for the day of the Lord when the kingdom does come. And then when God's kingdom does come to the earth, that curse of sin and death will be reversed on all people and all nations. And as we move into the very last verse of this short book in Haggai, two chapters, this is a very personal message for one man. Let me read Haggai 2, 23. On that day, declares the Lord of armies, I will take you, Zerubbabel, son of Shittiel, my servant, declares the Lord, And I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of armies. And even as we talk about that, God is is pointing out himself. He said, I am mighty. I have the armies of heaven. And I want to encourage you, Zerubbabel. I can change your personal your personal experience. Because even as he says, the son of Shittiel, we're reminded that he comes out of a lineage. But the first thing I want us to focus in on, which is an important theme, we could probably have a whole podcast just on this, but the concept of on that day. And specifically, we know that that day is called the day of the Lord. Now, there's many days of the Lord, little d, days of the Lord when the Lord comes in judgment and might and, and victory. But there's also coming one big day of the Lord. And Joel one fifteen says, Woe for that day, for the day of the Lord is near, and it will come as destruction from the Almighty One. And then Isaiah goes on to talk about, Well, for the day of the Lord is near, it will come as destruction from the Almighty. And then Ezekiel, for the day of the Lord, indeed, the day of the Lord is near. It will be a day of clouds, a time of doom for the nations. And and we could have about 10 more of these, but I'll just close with Zephaniah 1.18. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's anger, 
and all the earth will be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he will make a complete end, indeed a horrifying one, of all the inhabitants of the earth, of the rebels of this earth. And, and so one important thing is for us to realize there's coming a day. That's first in this passage, a, a day of the Lord when he comes in, in, in judgment. A day of reckoning. A day of reckoning. And, and remember, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've placed your faith in him, when the Lord comes to judge, he's not going to be judging you. Right. I mean, he, you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. He's going to be rewarding you and me when, on that day. But he's going to be judging the rebels, the nations that are rising and thinking, how can we fight, and, and thinking a vain thing. So first, the day of the Lord. Secondly, um, there's, there's something we need to talk about, a genealogy of Zerubbabel, because that is what leads us to understanding um, just the personal importance of this message for one individual. Um, his genealogy actually is de- described in Matthew 1, verses 11 and 12. And most scholars, I, I believe that Matthew's genealogy is the genealogy of, of, of Joseph, the legal father of Jesus. Not the actual father, that was God, the Holy Spirit, but the legal father of Jesus. And it says this, Josiah Father Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. After this deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah fathered, well, we've heard this in our, in our passage, Shittiel, and Shittiel fathered Zerubbabel. And I, and I love this passage because it, it links, um, it links um, Zerubbabel to Jeconiah, sometimes also called Coniah. And, and anyway, it links them and says that Zerubbabel, the person that's getting this message, is, is being given a very specific message in the lineage, and that his grandfather was a mess. His grandfather was wicked and was disciplined by God. Let me, let me just read you a couple passages out of Jeremiah 22. It, it says this about his grandfather. As I live, declares the Lord, even though Coniah, or Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were a signet ring on my hand. You've heard that, the signet ring. Yet I will pull you off and I will give you over into the hand of those who are seeking your life. Yes, into the hands of those whom you dread, even the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, into the hands of the Chaldeans. I will hurl you and your mother who bore you into another country where you were not born and there you will die. And, and that's just such an, a, an important point, because even when we were talking about whether it's Jeremiah talking about um, his grandfather, or, or Zerubbabel's grandfather, Jack and I, or, or whether it's actually as we, we, the concept of the signet ring is really important. Even as you share that, well, um, I have to, just a personal story from my own personal life and family is I I'm just, my heart just really touched right now for who my dad is, uh, raised really in a home where the gospel wasn't shared. He wasn't taken to church. He had, you know, didn't have training in reading his Bible or anything, but as a very young boy, 10 years old, he went and lived with a, a Christian couple in Northern Pennsylvania. And in that home, he was treated as a son, uh, you know, uh, wasn't officially adopted, but was adopted and loved by this man and woman who I know as Grandma and Grandpa Zundel. But I think of that 
just that whole idea of redemption that, you know, my, my father went from his biological family and home was put into this home where he was introduced to Christ and his life changed. Yeah, and, and he, he was plucked out of, of a difficult environment and he was placed in one where he could hear the gospel and grow and eventually go to Bible college and want to serve the Lord all the days of his life. Well, the concept here of the signet ring, we, we could do another whole study yeah. on signet rings. I know, and we've, we've been like amazed at the Bible verses we've been finding on this. Yeah, we want to share some of them with yeah, you. Yeah, we deleted a bunch of them, but, but a couple <laughs> that we didn't. One of the first um, instances of the use of this, and this is really crucial, is Genesis 38. This is the story of Judah and Tamar, and it says this, verse 25 of Genesis 38. It was while she was being brought out, that she sent word to her father-in-law, saying, I'm pregnant by the man to whom these things belong. And she also said, Please examine and see whose signet ring and cords and staff are these. And and remember, even in that, she was being brought out to be be killed. Yeah, she was being found be out to be stoned. Right. And she just said, Okay, if you're gonna stone me for the for being unfaithful sexually, you, you probably want to also have a conversation with the person that, that did that, that got me pregnant, right. which is... Her father-in-law, Judah. Her, an amazing story, and again, redemption. You know? the, the redemption, I mean, Tamar wasn't an Israelite, but God not only redeemed her, he placed her also in the lineage of Jesus Christ. And then in Genesis 41, 42, and 43, we hear about Joseph and Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand, and he put it on Joseph's hand, and he closed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold necklace around his neck. And he said to him, ride in this second chariot as I proclaim ahead of him, bow the knee. And he placed him over all the land of Egypt. Um, the same thing with Esther when um, um, Mordecai is, um, is given the signet ring from the king that had been on Haman's hand. And the same thing in Daniel, there's a signet ring used in Daniel 6 to imprint upon uh, a stone that the king has declared that this stone must be over this lion's den. Mm. And he sealed it with his own signet ring. Signet rings are significant. Right, and they um, symbolize, um, actually began, originated with religious leaders, with pharaohs, which is exactly what we saw. Judah, in Genesis 38, is the leader, one of the leaders in his home, in his family. And then we see Pharaoh with Joseph. We see the different leaders. These rings were used to mark and seal documents by pressing the face with which um, it's something was a, a unique family crest into, as it were, hot wax. And as we see this, and we are looking at this last verse in this chapter, we're seeing the sing- signet ring. And it reminds me that Ephesians 2.1 tells us, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked. That's where Zerubbabel finds himself. He's cursed, um, not because of what he's done, but right. because he had a very wicked grandfather. Grand, yeah, grandfather, for sure. And and he God took the signet ring off him and threw it away. But now he's saying to Zerubbabel, I'm going to put a signet ring on your finger as you walk with me well. 
And when you reverse a curse, that's death to life. That's something only God can do. God reversed the curse of sin for everyone who will turn and believe in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, as our Redeemer. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. I'm so grateful for God's rich mercy and grace, his great love, his loving kindness. Let's praise God together. We were once dead in our transgressions, and he has made us alive. By his grace, you and I have been saved. We are forgiven by a gracious, loving, forgiving God. He reversed the curse of eternal death and separation. Well, you know, the book of Haggai had four messages from the Lord of hosts to his people in Jerusalem. And while these messages were delivered many centuries ago in the fall months of 520 BC, Walt and I hope that these very old, what may have seemed like dusty messages have truly blessed and encouraged your hearts over these past seven weeks together. We want to invite you to join us in the next few weeks as we look at Easter reflections in John's Gospel. And we pray that each day you will continue to grow in your walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.